and welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff, as usual, and joining me fresh off his first regular season game of the season from last night is my usual co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man, it is good to be here. We are in baseball full bore. I was at the T-Mobile Park last night enjoying some scoreboarding, and uh, the Mariners even won, so it was a good time. I'm excited. We're right in the in the swing of things for baseball, and it is it is a happy, happy times at the Johnston household. Big controversy in Mariner world, though, last night. All over social media. And last night, we're recording this on Saturday, a little bit earlier than usual because I'm uh, I'm headed out of town. Louie Louie, we we did a we even did yes. part of an episode on this of of songs that teams play in the stadiums after the seventh inning stretch or you know somewhere later in the game where the whole crowd sings along the Mariners after the seventh inning stretch it's been Louie Louie forever and last night they played Macklemore. seats were being torn up there were <laughs> there was debris on the field. No, there wasn't. There was just a lot of social media posts about it. Mark, what made you decide to do this? <laughs> uh, well, you know, they turned to me and said, Mark, this is all up to you, pal. And you're um, like Macklemore. That's yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, here's my thing, man, with that. I mean, it, it has been a, a, a tradition for a long time, but man, I hate that Louie Louie. I, I, yeah, I, I don't like that it so much. <laughs> God, I'm just glad it's gone. Uh, I'd rather not have it. <laughs> well, this is my, I, I think it's probably, I, I think Macklemore has got a concert coming up in Seattle, which is his hometown. Yeah. He's a Mariner fan. I think he even might have a, a small stake in the team. I get the feeling. Night. Yeah, he was there last night. Apparently Felix was in the box with him. I get the feeling that it is probably just a temporary thing promoing his concert. I get the feeling they will go back to it. If not because of that, but just because of the social media uproar. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to do something because eventually it's going to change. Yeah. And the controversy is going to happen no matter what. So, but Macklemore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Well, this week, Mark, we got a lot to get, uh, get into uh, this week. This week we're doing, uh, we're going to name our third favorite players at each position. <laughs> Wow, I, I better give that some thought quick because I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> no, that was fun last week. We got a lot of responses of people uh, sending in their teams. They thought that was a lot of fun. We got a g- lot of lot of uh, great deep cuts, which is yeah. exactly there are no wrong answers. That's why that was the title of the show last week. Wrong answers only because there are none because this is all your personal favorite. Uh, you and I tried to stick to players that we have seen play. We got a lot of people. This is a baseball history podcast. So we got That's a right. lot of people with some great names, some that we've talked about, some that we haven't from uh, from the past. Uh, we got a lot of Jackie Robinsons, which is great. Had That's Jackie good. Robinson Day. Your first, your first regular season game, uh, having yeah. to run the scoreboard and everybody's wearing the same number, so that's always fun. <laughs> that was fun, yeah. Hey, who's coming in? Number forty-two. That's real funny. The first eight times. Yeah. <laughs> who's coming in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, some other things. Last week we were talking about the uh, the perfect game that was thrown last week in the NPB, and uh, Roki Sasaki, who recorded nineteen strikeouts in his perfect game. And we promised you that we would uh, come up with 
what's the high total in Major League Baseball for strikeouts in a perfect game? And I found it. It's been twice 14 strikeouts in a perfect game. Sandy Koufax in 1965, and then Matt Cain for the Giants in 2012. I remember that. Yeah, I do too. And then, you know, uh, Randy Johnson's perfect game that I was at, my first perfect game, he had 13. Just one off. But still, that is just so impressive to throw a a perfect game under 100 pitches and 19 (laughs) strikeouts. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because figure that out, 19 strikeouts – you know, that's so that's almost right 60 there. pitches right there. <laughs> exactly. I found a statistical anomaly while looking up that uh, that little tidbit there. Uh, all pitchers that have thrown a perfect game not only got the win, but also had complete game shutouts. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. You mean 100 percent? 100 percent. That's a friggin miracle. Let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, I found this story on social media a week or so ago, but we had so much going on last week that I didn't have time to look into it further. But I did this week, and I found confirmation that old Blue Eyes, the chairman of the board himself, Frank Sinatra, managed the Cubs for a couple of innings during a spring training game one time. (laughs) What? So long before Tom Selleck or Garth Brooks... Suited up for part of spring training long before Will Ferrell played for the entire Cactus League in one day. There was Frank Sinatra who could do anything he darn well wanted, because if you tried to stop him, you'd probably end up with a horse head next to you in bed. Yeah, he was Frank Sinatra. He was Frank Sinatra. That's right. 1968. Middle of the ball game, the, 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 the door opens down the right field line <laughs> and here comes Frank Sinatra and his his crew in the middle of the game <laughs> he gets there and he walks down the baseline i'm guessing this is cuz if he would have walked in the you know in the stands he probably would have been mobbed because he's frank sure. sinatra so here sure. comes frank sinatra walking down the foul line in the middle of the game the umpires call time probably ask for his autograph they don't care that the game's this is frank sinatra <laughs> Cubs manager Leo DeRocher, who was friends with Sinatra, waves him into the dugout and says, hey, why don't you take over for a couple innings? So I'm betting Frank was wearing a nice looking suit because he always was. If you put a hat on him, he's Connie Mack. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So Sinatra was a big baseball fan. He was a New York Giants fan. Then he moved to L.A., as did the Dodgers. And so he became a Dodgers fan. Uh, We know he and Tommy Lasorda were very close. Uh, He and Leo were good friends. And I found a whole bunch of stories that is probably uh, probably good fodder for a Tales from the Dugout segment coming up at some point. Very nice. Uh, Because I like Frank Sinatra a lot. And obviously, I like baseball. So when those two. Yeah, huge fan myself. My wife and I actually had the opportunity to see Frank live once. And it was amazing concert. It was incredible. I can't imagine. That. I love Frank Sinatra. I love yeah. the Rat Pack. I love all that stuff. Me so. too. It's like my favorite. I love it. Yeah, so he is a big baseball fan. So we'll we'll get into that sometime. Uh, I was watching the Mexican League. It's a very interesting name. Uh, yeah. Playing for the Red Devils of Mexico was Ichiro Cano. Ichiro Cano. Ichi, full name Ichiro Cano Hernandez. Now, ah. I am just thinking that his parents are the biggest Mariner fans in the world. Yeah. Where's the Kendrys? <laughs> Ichiro Kendrys Morales. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, if if they could have worked Sean Figgins in there as well, then we know. <laughs> Big Mary. Uh, uh, not much. This kid is like 17 years old. He's he's yeah, very young. He has got a Instagram account only with very little baseball content. I want more information on Ichiro Kano. Also on that team, Jorge Cantu. Still playing. Wow. Debuted for the Rays in 2004. Last played in the big leagues in 2011. But still making a living down there in Mexico. That's pretty cool, actually. You got to love guys that just can't and won't give it up. I'm a Ricky fan. That's right. <laughs> Craziest thing. Okay, so we've talked about the Savannah Bananas probably more this season than we than we have in the past. This week, a batter went to the plate and his bat was literally on fire. Okay. Just put some lighter fluid on it, lit it, and then dragged it up to home plate and took a swing at a pitch with his bat on fire. <laughs> Is this was this supposed to supposed to provide more power or I I think purely entertainment because that's mm. all I just you know uniforms used to be made of polyester and polyester just like meth and fire do not mix no so I th- I don't think they're wearing polyester uniforms there I would hope not I I gotta say man that's um little WWE I hope he had the Undertaker theme plan as he went up to the plate I didn't I didn't hear it. I think there was audio. I didn't hear that. But he also had his sleeves ripped off, too. I mean, (laughs) it is Uh, I'm you know, the XFL was a WWE thing. I think maybe Vince McMahon should look into uh, into the Savannah Bananas League. I don't even know what the league's called. I assume the other teams in the league do these things, too. But the Savannah Bananas are just the they've got the good marketing. That's right. This show is debuting on April 19th. Uh, We've got. So, so many debuts. I had to really narrow it down here. The first one I wanted to talk about, 1903. Mordecai Brown makes his debut. How many fingers did he have when he debuted? He had a total of eight full, fully formed normal fingers. Three uh-huh. on one hand due to a farm accident. Now, I am 78% certain that Every player in the 1800s suffered some form of farm accident in their youth. <laughs> I've seen disfigured a lot, yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Burns wanted uh, old three finger on the mound for his company softball team, but had to settle for Roger Clemens. <laughs> Check out our Homer at the Bat episode if you haven't already, or listen to it again. It was uh, it was a it was a banger. It's a good one. It was a good one. It was. Uh, in an exhibition game against the uh, House of David, somebody, a uh, team we've talked about certainly many times, in 1928, he was 51 years old, and as a favor to the local team, he pitched for three innings, struck wow. out all nine batters he faced. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm guessing, uh, I'm guessing he had the movement that nobody had seen before, even at 51. Yeah. Uh, next, 1938, Enos Slaughter made his debut. Hall of Famer, you did a a segment on him in his famous Mad Dash in Game 7 of the 1946 World Series, where yes. he scored from first base on what was ruled a double. A delayed throw by Johnny Pesky at shortstop allowed him to score. Enos was playing with a broken elbow after being beamed in game five as he circled the bases. I, I'm sure you said that, but I did not remember that. Country Slaughter. He was, uh, he was an individual. Yeah, Slaughter, who should have been nicknamed Sergeant, I think. 
Yes. And he was an actual sergeant in the army, too. So they really missed. Wow. Really missed and, out there. Man, that's that's a great opportunity. I mean, for that a is nickname. Yeah. I mean, it is to be fair. It is 50 years prior to, you know, Sergeant Slaughter really being popular and the WWF and, and G.I. Joe at that point. But still, sure. they missed out. Also said to have been one of the main antagonizers of Jackie Robinson. Ooh, not good. Jackie broke into the big leagues and uh, Enos was... Now, there are different accounts here, though. The claim is disputed by some that say that he didn't have a problem, but there's a lot of stories that say he did. He famously spiked Jackie at one point, too, leaving a seven-inch gash in Jackie's shin. Again, there was some dispute to whether this was intentional or not because he played very hard. Yes. Uh, 1972, Don Stanhouse made his debut. Now... If you haven't listened to our Don Stanhouse episode, go back and do it right now. We'll wait. <laughs> yes. Hit pause or just come back. It'll start again. The Orioles had a run in the 70s of some just crazy relief pitchers. And Don, who was a noted ginger, was definitely one of them. We did a whole episode on him. And then my final debut I wanted to talk about in 2011, Carlos Pagaro made his debut. I remember him. Felix Hernandez's wife certainly remembers him. <laughs> now, if you haven't heard this story, Peguero's wife got a hold of Felix's wife's credit card and went on a bit of a shopping spree, unbeknownst to them. But now, of course, notes to all of us, uh, Ms. Peguero, by the way, is the daughter of former Major League pitcher Pedro Borbone. Hmm. I, that is part of the story I did not know prior. Interesting. So that's going to do it for our pregame segment. Grounds crew already on it. Mid-season form. Chalking the lines. Spraying down the infield. All that stuff. They're pros. This week, Mark, it is all your show. So tell us, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about a, a very little-known dominant pitcher by the name of Arthur Lawrence Raymond, a.k.a. Bugs Raymond. He was born in 1882 in Chicago. Don't know a whole lot about him, except that uh, when he showed up to play baseball. Uh, the name Bugs, Bugs Raymond, comes from the term, uh, at the time, the term for an insane asylum was Bug House. And so he was uh, Bug House Raymond and then just became Bugs Raymond because he was a bit of uh, an eccentric and had a little bit of a problem with the drink, if you know what I mean. This, this sounds like your kind of guy right here. It, it, this is this is my kind of story. The first time we hear about Mr. Raymond, he is it is 1904, and he is with the Waterloo Microbes of the Iowa League. And he won 19 games, which was enough for the Detroit Tigers, who happened to catch him. He was 22 at the time, so they signed him and said, let's see what he can do. Bugs came in to Detroit, pitched five games, 307 ERA, in 14 innings and his only decision was a loss and he had a little issue with the drinking and so they sold him to atlanta in the sally league now he stayed in the minors for about the next three years and he was doing really well he had this uh, killer spitball and this was legal in 1907 as we've discussed before and so he was with the charleston seagulls and he won <laughs> yeah the, mi won. I, the microbes are still my favorite here, but the seagulls are yes. good. Yeah. He's moving along different, different. It's hard to find uh, all the teams he played for because he kind of bumped along. But uh, the seagulls, he won 35 games 
that year for the Seagulls out of, out of the 51 in which he appeared. So he, he threw 335 innings, 35 wins, and they dealt him to the Cardinals after that, probably for a good chunk of money, too. Regarding the spitball, his uh, teammate, Rube Marquard, who we've also discussed, he said, uh, and I quote, what a terrific spitball pitcher he was. Bugs drank a lot, you know, and sometimes it seemed the more he drank, the better he pitched. They used to say he didn't spit on the ball. He blew his breath on it, and the ball came up drunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in, in 08, for the Cardinals, he was 15 and 25, but he had an ERA of 2.03. You know, that was some hard luck going out there and losing 25 games with an ERA of two. You know, see, I thought Nolan Ryan had it bad with the Astros in the 80s, but that's rough, man. His teammates must have owed him a lot of drinks after Boy, a lot of these games. I'm sure he accepted every last yes. one of them, too, knowing bugs. He was then dealt to the Giants for a future Hall of Famer, Roger Bresnahan, who uh, I don't think we've discussed, but was one heck of a ball player. Uh, Raymond... Um, he did, he won 18 games in 09, but he was playing for John McGraw and you don't want to be unreliable for Mr. McGraw. And uh, so he kind of let the giants down. He had very erratic behavior because of his drinking and him and John didn't get along so well. So we're looking back. He started with the microbes dealt to Detroit, dealt to the Cardinals, dealt to the giants by 1910. And uh, he was pitching like a madman. I mean, just just dealing. And it, his problem was his behavior got so bad that McGraw finally said, just forget it. Go home. I'm, I'm not dealing with this anymore. So uh, and this is a bit of a long quote, but I'm going to tell you what John McGraw said. He said, uh, I'm through with Raymond. I tried everything to tame him and he kept getting worse. He put the club in a big expense. And when we kept him sober, he couldn't pitch. Many persons have advised me that he could pitch better ball or at least would pitch no worse if you were kept in a pickle. But the New York team isn't going to stand for that sort of work. If we cannot win with sober men, we will lose rather to exploit such a character as a leading light of the game. No manager would have gone so far with Raymond as I did. Therefore, I'm not going to trade him. Probably nobody wants him. But if he isn't of any use to me, he isn't worth anything to anybody else. And this game is better off without him. He's pitched his last game for me. Pretty rough. John has a uh, <laughs> McGraw, certainly not afraid uh, to tell people how important he is either. That's right. And uh, he, yeah, if he won't play for me, he's no good for any of you. Of course, the next year he promised his best behavior and came back to play for John McGraw again, um, which is, you know what? I was thinking that's kind of typical of baseball. Second chances, third chances. As, as long like as you can <laughs> hit or Especially pitch. lefties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so midway through the 1911 season, they just went, you're done. You, you know, he went back to his old ways and he never appeared in the major leagues again. Um, his stamina was never any good. He always required, and back then it was a big deal, a reliever to finish your game for you. Wow, it was a big deal. One writer wrote about Bugs. Bugs was a great starter, but a poor finisher. He seldom finished anything but a drink. <laughs> so again, onto that. Um, and his serious major league career for, for Bugs Raymond. A combined 45 and 57 with a 2.49 ERA. Man, he pitched for some poor hitting teams. He threw nine shutouts, and he even earned a Hall of Fame vote in 1937. Wow. Because he was so dominant when he did play, when he was drunk and playing. For, apparently wasn't sober that often. Here's where it gets really sad. 
after baseball, he was pitching in semi-pro games when he was sober enough. It all came to an end September 7th, 1912. They found poor Bugs's body uh, in this hotel room, dingy hotel. They initially said it was heart trouble and this heat wave that was really hitting the country at the time. Uh, the autopsy, though, revealed that he had a fractured skull and a cerebral hemorrhage. It was revealed later that uh, he had been in a brawl three weeks earlier and had been hit several times, hit that several times in the head with a baseball bat. Mm. When he received word of Raymond's passing, McGraw said, that man took seven years off my life. The always compassionate John McGraw. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> Some stories about Raymond. There were a lot in baseball, as we've discussed, there are a lot of things that are probably based on some form of truth, but have sort of become tall tales over the years. Well, I got a few of those about Bugs Raymond. Okay. Uh, actually, one time a reporter announced in 1909, he had a little trouble with McGraw and McGraw went and his quote to the media was, Raymond got a little strong on the train and needed correction. I did not want to find him. So I administered a little chastisement. And uh, one next scene, Raymond was uh, had a nice split lip and was acting a little calmer. So, <laughs> um, Here you go. With the Cardinals in 07, he was hit by a car and initially reported that he had killed him. Um, but no, he was fine. He uh, just came back and he pitched another a day after and nothing happened. So it was reported that he was dead, but now he just bounced off the car apparently. Uh, one time he nearly lost a finger because he was drunk and trying to stop an electric fan with his bare hand. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now pretty, pretty smart. as a child who has not done that, <laughs> <laughs> of course, that, tongue. we'll see that's, that is the more updated version of a farm uh, accident that that's you right. get disfigured with. He wasn't on a farm. So he had to find a fan. Yeah. Uh, okay. This is my favorite part about Bugs Raymond. He was notorious for his love of bananas. Um, for, he was always eating bananas. He, he loved them. He would even take them out to the mound with him and eat between batters. I, I mean, I'm not even making this up as far as I know. Someone else might have made it up. Probably, they say, just in the minors and semi-pros, he would take bananas out there. He enjoyed eating them, but he really, really liked the sticky material inside the peel. He could figure out how to... Um, how to make things spin a little differently when he had the inside of a banana peel. In fact, he even had a pitch called the banana ball. So that's to me was hilarious and awesome. The banana loving pitcher of the century. One time he was in the Sally league. He went missing one day during a pennant chase and he was found at the circus. Um, <laughs> no one would, he wouldn't leave. He wouldn't go. And he said, look, the circus only comes to town once a year. And there's a ball game every day. I just can't miss the circus. So <laughs> well, that's good. He reason. was traded shortly after that. Um, here's one that I question. I question the uh, the truth on, but it's a great story nonetheless. Uh, in 1909, Bugs bet his fellow uh, pitcher Christy Mathewson 50 bucks that he would end up with more wins on the season. Now Raymond won 18 games. But he was betting against Christy Mathewson, and Mathewson won 25 victories. So what kind of a bet was that? That's 50 bucks. That's a lot of money back then. Yeah, and was, Christy was happy. Probably wasn't making that much either. 50 bucks, that's a lot. That's a lot of booze. Yeah. Um, he was uh, struck by a Les Blackman pitch in a 1909 game that knocked him unconscious. 
of course, he was bugs, and he came back and threw again the next day. Uh, he nearly lost his, lost his life in a train accident in 1910, traveling to Litchfield, Connecticut. Several uh, freight cars smashed, smashed together, and three people were injured. He had a broken pitching arm and a cut and bruised leg, but he pitched the next season anyway. His drinking problem was very well known. There was actually a headline in the paper, Bugs Raymond Refuses Drink, it said. <laughs> uh, he uh, attempted to be cured of his alcoholism by uh, getting into a sanitarium. Uh, they used to shoot you up with some kind of weird drugs back then that would supposedly keep you from drinking. I don't think they worked. He All he did from all that was form a new cigarette habit. Uh, he couldn't drink, so he started smoking cigarettes. So that was a lot of fun for him. And for the fans as well, uh, he actually uh, in 1910 in the off season, Bugs uh, signed with a wrestling promotion in Chicago, and became a professional wrestler for a while. What was his gimmick? It doesn't, you know, I couldn't find it. Uh, probably a drunk fighter is what I'm guessing. <laughs> I found another one that said Rube Waddell. One of baseball's all-time notorious guys, as we have discussed before, he couldn't even believe what Bugs Raymond was like. A reporter asked him, he said, look, it's a shame that fellow doesn't take better care of himself. He would be a wonder if he would just keep in condition and pay strict attention to business. When Rube Waddell says that about you, you are not doing well. <laughs> Here's a great one. This is, I guarantee this isn't true, but it's sure a great story. Uh, Raymond once bet legendary writer Grantland Rice. He could eat an entire turkey, drink a full bottle of scotch, walk two miles to the ballpark, and then pitch a shutout. The story goes that he certainly did win, and he entertained Mr. Rice on the walk to the field by throwing rocks at birds that were stupid enough to get close enough to him. I don't know the veracity of those claims, but uh, I'm thinking they might be exaggerated. Um, the Giants actually put a keeper on him to keep him from drinking, and he didn't show up for a few days, and they found him. He got it. Uh, John McGraw hired a detective agency. They tracked him down and he was with his keeper and they were having a drinking contest head to head. <laughs> so that didn't go well either. The Giants attempted to slow him down by parsing out his paycheck little by little. What he did was he started selling equipment for booze. Uh, they would give him a ball, go warm up. He would sign it, go out into the uh, crowd, sell it, get his money and go get something to drink. Um Man, it is a disease. It, it is, and it was a big disease for Bugs Raymond. Like I said, he was found in the dingy hotel room after it was all over. One of the most talented guys to, to pitch, to pick up a ball and, and uh, could have been a true legend. But uh, all he gets is a little spot on two-strike noise talking about how great he could have been. Um, so Bugs Raymond, my new favorite pitcher, my new favorite tragedy. <laughs> it, well, I'll tell you the next one. Yes, next week. Right. Uh, I see a couple of stories here. Uh, often would walk out to the mound on his hands. <laughs> How did I not find that? I don't know. But, uh, you know, with his, I think you mentioned he pitched drunk quite a few times. I, yes. That's, He's a better pitcher when he drank. Talented to be able to do that. Uh, also, so. uh, you mentioned they would, uh, you know, he was selling money and they, they ended up when he was with the Giants not even paying him. They would 
pay his wife directly. Yes, and would. she was obligated in the contract not to give the money to her husband. And he replied, well, if she gets paid, let her pitch. <laughs> yeah, he, he really took the problem to a new level. And then uh, this is this is a good story here. Uh, he's still with the Giants. McGraw was looking for him uh, during uh, during a game against the Pirates. Uh, sent him down to the dugout to warm up in the fifth inning, and when he was needed two innings later, they couldn't find him. <laughs> so <laughs> they went. They went out to look for him. One guess where they found him. I'm gonna guess he was in a bar with a drink. You are 100 percent correct. <laughs> It was not a hard question. No, it, it really was not. So let's let's just look at his numbers here. Just again, reliving uh, reliving his time in the big league. Six years is what Baseball Reference says. Nineteen oh eight, he went fifteen and twenty five with that two point zero three ERA. Yeah, I mean this is this is still the dead ball era. Sure. So that explains some of it. He did lead the league with nine wild pitches. Uh, as well then he went 18 and 12 i believe that's the year that he lost that bet with a 2.47 era that's right yes and that was that was his first year with the giants matheson as you said uh, went 28 and 25 or uh, went 25 and 26 with a 1.14 era (laughs) that's pretty good right in 275 innings matheson walked to 36 batters an ERA plus of 224. <laughs> He's up more than 100% better than the league average. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was, I mean, it's such a, a sad story because he could have been truly one of the greats of all time. Well, this is, this is Christy Matheson, who I think we can't agree. Oh, I'm sorry. Is, <laughs> is one of the greats of all time. You're going to edit that out, right? No um, way. That is, that is pure gold right there. They also had a pitcher named Bull Durham on that team. Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Oh, nice. Thir- he was only 32 years old. Only got into four games. Let's see. Did uh, let's see. Louis Staub Durham, who was a pitcher, uh, threw right-handed, so he only pitched for four years, and uh, went two and zero overall in his career. But, but yeah, 45-57 overall for Bugs. I do also want to visit microbes. Like how we. Usually the teams, especially back in this time, were named after something to do with the location where they where they play. Yes. Like the seagulls you mentioned, I bet they were probably near the ocean. What's up with the microbes? Like I'm, I didn't even know that at that time we knew what microbes were. <laughs> maybe that was it. Maybe microbes were a new hit thing, and so they thought they'd call themselves. Or maybe they didn't understand what a microbe was, and That's they're like, possibly. "Hey, it sounds like a great team name." <laughs> We're the microbes. Yeah, that doesn't sound frightening. And it also sounds a lot like micro machines to me, which. <laughs> yeah, I have all the Star Wars and Indiana Jones ones. I'm happy to say. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Oh, there's micro machines and bugs. <laughs> micro machines and bugs. And and <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, Mark. Sure. It is time for the final segment of our show. I think everybody knows what that means. It is time for everybody's favorite cardboard and wax-based 1v1 co-host v co-host exhibition. It is time for Wax Heroes. Heroes. 
right, before we get into it, let's review the rules. Mark and I will both be opening a pair of baseball cards, generally from the Junk Wax era. We will look at these cards and get credit for each player's baseball reference war from the year of the pack we are opening. However, whoever has the highest war total at the end is proclaimed the winner. But there are some qualifiers that can add or subtract from your score if the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitary socks beneath. That's an extra tenth of a point of war because that's good. But if they are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that is minus half a point. Noah's Frio. If they have anything around their eyes, meaning sunglasses, glasses, glasses, a monocle, or even goggles, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature on them, Extra tenth of a point of war for each. If that player won an award that season, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, or was an all-star, extra tenth of a point of war for each. And if that player now has a plaque in the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown, New York, you get a whole point of war because that there is a Hall of Famer. And finally, Mark and I will each pick a team. If we get a player from that team, we get an extra half a point of war. But if we get a player from the other person's team, we minus half a point. Mark... With that, which team are you picking? I'm going to go with the newly minted Guardians. All right, so you're going to go with Cleveland. So I am going to go with their rival, the Diamondbacks. Nice. A lot of heated. Oh, my gosh. Those, those two teams don't know each other exists. <laughs> All right, so uh, looking at the scoreboard, I have won three in a row. And yeah. I told you, you don't want us to get hot. You are sitting one away from your third consecutive Wax Packs Hero uh, Championship. I'm just like, I've put my neck on the chopping block, just waiting for you to end it, and you won't do it. No, no, we're, we're struggling, man. I think we got cocky. Yeah, I think you, you have. I, I really need you to end this. So <laughs> uh, I bought this box of 2,000 tops a while ago, and we've been having a lot of fun opening them. We get some names we haven't had before. So we're going to open a couple of packs of these uh, from 19 or no, from uh, from the year 2000. There's only eight cards in here in each of these. So it's a quick, uh, quick version of the uh, everybody's favorite game show here. Mark, I've got one in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like? Um, I'm going to go right hand again. I mean, I'm over my last three picking the right hand. So we're we're going to go and, and try and beat the odds here. Can't go four in a row, can we? All right. Just was reading about a pitcher that lost three games in a row and changed his jersey number, but you're going to stick with it. So that's right. All right. So uh, yeah, nineteen to twelve, and uh, this is uh, this is it. You need to kind of put me away here. So let's go ahead and open this up. The year two thousand. Oh, you are going to start off with one heck of a defensive center fielder. Okay. With the California Angels here. He's pictured here with the Disney Angels. It's Jim Edmonds. Oh, man. How many times did you see that guy chasing a ball down, heading towards the center field fence, and then diving and catching it? 17 years in the big leagues, eight gold gloves. He was a member of the World Series team in 2006 with St. Louis. In 2000, good news for you, he was an all-star. This is his very first year in St. Louis, the year 2000. He played the entire year. He hit 295, a 4'11 on base percentage. Very nice. Won a gold glove that year. So you're already at one point just right off the bat. 42 home runs, tied his career high, 108 RBI. 
walked 103 times and a 147 OPS plus. Wow. This is a good, good, uh, good year. Good start. For a 6.3 war. Plus you get the, uh, the point for the all-star and the gold gloves. That's 7.3. Yeah. Nothing else on this card is going to help you out, but I 7.3 is enough. Yeah. That might be enough to win. (laughs) <laughs> it might be good nicknames you got jimmy baseball jimmy ball game and the jib master <laughs> very good i saw edmonds uh married megan o'toole king and uh, she was on the real housewives of orange county yeah i think he's divorced from the real housewife though isn't he yeah i think so yeah uh also uh the co-owner of a steakhouse jim edmonds 15 steakhouse uh but it closed a while ago so well, I'll tell uh, but, you what, he named it right. Yeah, well, I bet you could tell who owned it. Yeah, but then he opened another restaurant called The Precinct, which I don't get. And then he opened a barbecue-style restaurant called Winfield's Gathering Place. Winfield's, Which okay. Dave Winfield would like to have a word with you. Uh, yeah, all you of these think. restaurants have closed. <laughs> well, you know, he gave it a shot. <laughs> he gave it a shot. All right, next you have got a Yankee legend. Uh, nice. We describe him as not wanting to shake his hand during spring training. <laughs> it's Jorge Posada. All right. So Jorge, four World Series with the Yankees, with the Yankees his entire career. Nicknamed Sado. I had never heard that one before, but <laughs> when do we watch Yankee games? Unless they're playing our teams. Uh, 17 years in the big leagues. 2000. Good news. All-star. His first Ooh. all-star game. At age 29, ended up the season with a 287 average, a 417 on base. You, wow. Your team gets on base. This is Man, good, we're money ball. Good news for you. Uh, 28 home runs, 86 RBI, walked wow. 107 times. That's nice. Uh, how many stolen bases do you think Jorge Posada has in his career? Uh, I'm going to go with eight. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a good guess. His career high was three. <laughs> uh, but he did it twice, including uh, he did it the second time is second to last year at age 39. He stole 20 bases, but he was caught 21 times in his career. Not the best ratio, but no. at least he got there 20 times. Yeah. So let's see a 5.5 war. He was an all star. So that's 6.1. And Whoa. he has got eye black on here. So uh, that will get you a uh, so that'll get you up to 6.2, which is. You're you're rolling so far uh, at 13 and a half after two cards. That's that's good. Yeah, I don't think I had 13 and a half last week. No. Um, Posada, by the way, was pointed out to me by a Yankee fan who enjoys our show uh, that I never really mentioned him when I talk about left handed hitting power hitting catchers. And he was a switch hitter and he hit 275 career home runs. So I wanted to get that name out there and say, yes, I know. 42.7 career war. Posada was an awesome ball player. Uh, and uh, Jorge Posada did not appear on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No, bummer. All right, next you have got a, hmm, let's see here. Well, I, I was a little bit worried here. You've got a draft picks card that's got two players on it for the Chicago White Sox. Hmm. I have never heard of either of these players, so I'm feeling pretty good <laughs> about Jason Stum and Rob Purvis. Yeah, I don't think you should be too worried. Let's see. Uh, Rob Purvis does not have a stat page on baseball reference. So that tells you what uh, looks like he did appear in the minor leagues. 
did not ever get to the big leagues. And Jason Stum, um, let's see, Jason Stum played for seven years in the minors, but never made it past double A. So you're saying I'm going to get a lot of points from this card. Well, you're you're not going to minus anything, but well, that's uh, good. <laughs> no, no points on that one. All right. So moving on. Well, you got a Hall of Famer now. There we go. Uh, this is a special card celebrating his 400th career home run. It is Cal Ripken. He was a pretty good player from what I hear. Uh, I have heard of Cal Ripken before. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cal Ripken Jr. This is not Senior or Billy. The year 2000, his 39-year-old season. Of course he was an all-star because Cal Ripken could have been blind and in a wheelchair and he would still be voted into the all-star game only appeared in 83 games this year for the o's hit 257 still had 15 home runs 56 rbi a 95 ops plus and all of this equals a war of 1.4 plus he's an all-star so that will be a 1.9 plus he's a hall of famer so that is a 2.9 even late in the career he lands me some points. Yep. Iron Man. Uh, we've, I think we've talked about Cal Ripken more than enough times to uh, to cover most of his stuff. Uh, just want to see. I'm, I'm fairly certain when I say this, but I do want to look it up, that Cal Ripken. Yes, Cal Ripken did. Uh, Cal Ripken never appeared in uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, oh. But he has been in uh, in a couple of different things. Uh, one of which Cal Ripken had his own video game at one point, which is uh, pretty cool. The Cal Ripken's Real Baseball. It was an MMORPG. Oh, wow. And it did not go over that well. Well, you had to play it for 2,000 straight games. Yeah, otherwise you just don't get anything out of it. Of course, the uh, was owner of the Aberdeen Ironbirds named after him. I don't think he owns them anymore. All right. Your next card is uh, St. Louis Cardinal. It is Kent Bottenfield. <laughs> uh, Kent Bottenfield, not as well known to me as uh, Cal Ripken Jr., but I think he played for a while. <laughs> it's probably not as famous, but yeah, I definitely remember Kent Bottenfield. Played for a lot of teams over his nine years. And he wasn't even a lefty. Uh, played eight for eight teams over nine years. Wow. Uh, an all-star once, but not in 2000. In 2000, he split time between the Angels and the Phillies. Overall, he went 8-10 and 10 with a 5.4 ERA. That is a 92 ERA plus, and that equals still a war of 1.5 in the positive. How do you pull that out? Uh, well, he's Kent Bottenfield. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, well, now Kent Bottenfield is a musician, and he's released two independent Christian albums. One called Take Me Back in 2004 and another one back in the game in 2007. Yeah, he's a magi- that's cool. All right, moving on to your next card. Now, this isn't a lot of fun because you got a, a highlight card of Cal Ripken uh, celebrating his 400th uh, career home run. And now you've got his card, his regular well, card for the year. So that doesn't really. That hardly seems fair. Yeah, and, and I think you scored big on it, uh, yes. too. Let's see here. So we don't have to go through anything again, but let's just relive what you scored off of that. Uh, A 1.4 plus he was an all-star and he's a Hall of Famer. So that's 2.9. And 
in this card, he's got eye black on. So that's an even three <laughs> for you. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So you're at 20.9. Next, you have got a guy turning the double play here for the Milwaukee Brewers at this point. Fernando Vina. Ah, I remember him. Uh, Albert Belt certainly remembers uh, running into him once. <laughs> Plowed Fernando Vina. Uh, Fernando Vina, one of the squarest jaws in baseball history. True. And uh, also, true. oh, we are recording this on uh, on April 16th. It is his birthday today. He turns 53. What are the odds? Uh, came up with the Mariners. Did you know that? I did not know that. 1993, he came up with the Mariners. In 2000, he was with St. Louis, led the league in hit-by-pitches. He was plunked 28 times in 2000. Ooh. That's a lot. Now, lean into it, pal. Yeah, but he hit 300 on base of 380. Not He never had power. He hit 431 RBI. Well, this is nice. He walked 36 times and struck out 36 times. Hmm. But in 123 games... That's not a lot of walks, but that is not a lot of strikeouts. You put the ball in play. Yeah. OPS plus of 97. And all of that will equate to a war of 3.2. Wow. I didn't expect that. No, that's great. Uh, Let's see here. He has got nothing uh, on this card that is going to help you out. So that'll be a positive 3.2. Well, now this is right up our alley because Fernando Vina. And this was, I do not remember this, but I mean, this was prime time when I was living in Atlanta. Jermaine Dupree's Welcome to Atlanta with Nellie Murphy Lee and the St. Lunatics. Apparently, Fernando was in this video. Oh, wow. I don't remember that, but. All right. Uh, next, uh oh, you've got another, pro- uh, another prospects card. And I've heard <laughs> of all three of these guys. This is going to take forever. Uh, they're from different teams, uh, none of which are yours but one of which is mine in the d-backs nope Nope. uh so we've got jack cust mike coangelo and d brown okay so uh let's hit these up real quick jack cust i remember had a great year with the a's yeah uh, we used to call him jack cust and then was sent to bed without supper oh very nice uh i believe uh we called him a's fans called him babe cust for a while. Look at this. In uh, 2007 through 2009 with the A's, 26, 33, and 25 home runs. Not Led bad. the league in walks one of those years and strikeouts all three years. <laughs> wow. Uh, 2000, though, he made his debut for Arizona in uh, 2001. But because he's on the Diamondbacks, you're going to minus half a point. <laughs> uh, let's see. Mike Coangelo. I remember him. I remember the name, yeah. Uh, let's see. He played three years in the big leagues, including his final year with the A's in 2002. Did not play in 2000. Injured. So uh, nothing there for you. And then D. Brown, who famously pumped up his Reebok sneakers before winning the NBA uh, Slam Dunk Championship. Uh, what? No. You sure? This, yeah, can't, uh-huh. this can't be the, the same D. Brown. No, I don't think so. No. So D. Brown played for eight years in the big leagues, seven with the Royals, and then wrapped it up with the A's in 2007 in eight games where he went hitless. But in 2000, he appeared in 15 games, a 15 OPS plus, and that will equal a war of zero. <laughs> 
So you got it was exactly average. You got very lucky here, and you just minus a point five for having a diamond back. Yes. Next, we go on to uh, your final card. It is a Texas Ranger. This guy was good. I don't really think of him as a Ranger, but here he is, Todd Zeal. Todd, good housekeeping Zeal. Oh, nice. All right, let's see. Todd Zeal played in the big leagues for 16 years. And more than likely, uh, your favorite team. I say that to our listeners. He, he played for neither the A's nor the Mariners or even the Astros uh, for you. In uh, 2000, he was actually with the Mets. I remember him with the Mets quite a bit around this time. Let's see, 153 games. He hit 268, 22 home runs, 79 RBI, a 356 on base, a 110 OPS plus. And that equals a 2.4 in the okay. positive. Okay. We'll take that. This is a good-looking card. It's in Oakland, too, on a, in a day game in Oakland. It's a nice-looking card. That's cool. I have uh, something interesting I know about Mr. Zeal. He got into um, film and movie uh, production and acting. Nice. Yes. Well, here on his uh, Wikipedia page, he has a whole thing dedicated to film work. Oh, there you go. Uh, he founded Green Diamond Entertainment. He appeared in the following Dirty Deeds, which was that a Norm Macdonald movie, I think? Yeah. I think so, was, yeah. Or wait, no, it was not. Oh. It was. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was. No, it's it's something One Wild Night, 10 Dares, 12 Hours. It looks like a teen movie. Uh, the King of Queens, he was on two episodes of that Ooh. show. And then a couple of movies that don't even warrant their own page. And uh, no Sabrina the Teenage Witch, married to Olympic champion Julianne McNamara, a gymnast, the first American gymnast to earn a perfect 10 in the Olympics. Wow. Uh, Also married, uh, (laughs) he's he's married quite a few people. Uh, Also married Kristen Gamboa, daughter of ex-coach Tom Gamboa. Mm. Remember that? And is a direct descendant of John Quincy Adams and John Adams, and and according to this, and thus also a cousin of actress Brooke Adams, of course. Oh, there you go. Who was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thusly, because he's related to them, he's obviously related to this uh, actress. All right, so yes. you've got 26 points. That's a good score. That's uh, That is good. Yeah, I'll take it. We, I mean, that's about average for these packs, even though there's only eight cards. You also had two cards with two with uh, one had two guys and one had three on them, though. It didn't really help you. But yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, let's lay down here and let Mark just get this over with. Can we, <laughs> can we do that, guys? First pick swingers. Yeah. All right. So uh, I am starting off with a uh, with a Oriole. I remember uh I think he came up, yeah, he came up with the Brewer. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he came up with the Brewers. Maybe even as a catcher, it's B.J. Surhoff. Oh, man, big B.J. Surhoff fan. Yeah, he was a Brewer catcher when he first uh, was a prospect. Let's see, also a member of the Olympic team. Uh, came up with Milwaukee, yep, as a catcher. Uh, played all around the infield, though, his first couple of years in the big leagues. Ended up in the outfield at the end. An all-star one time. That was in 1999. Darn it, just missed. Uh, in 2000, he split time between Baltimore and the Hammers. I remember when he came over to Atlanta. Altogether, he hit 291 that year. 14 home runs, 68 RBI, a 101 OPS+. Plus. 
And that together will get me a 2.9 war. Uh, nothing on this card is going to help me out, though. Father Dick played two years in the NBA. Oh, wow. And had a brother, Rich, who was a relief pitcher for the Phillies and the Rangers. Oh, and he's the uncle of uh, Cincinnati Reds third baseman Colin Moran. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, so uh, I'm off to a flying start. Next, I have got uh, Toronto Blue Jay, Alex Gonzalez. I have to admit, I don't know a whole lot about Alex Gonzalez. I don't either. I remember him on the Blue Jays. I don't know. Seabass is his nickname. <laughs> I think, wasn't he in uh, Dumb and Dumber? It must have been uh, him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, member of the uh, 2003 World Series team with the Fish. In 2000, with the Marlins, fresh off his one all-star appearance in 1999, he hit 200. That's not going to bode well for me. Uh, seven home runs, 42 RBI, a 229 on-base percentage. Jeez. Uh, let's see. That's a 40 OPS plus. Well, this is what I want. This is yes, a minus 1.9. <laughs> He's taken. His third year in the big leagues he posts a minus 1.9 war, yet he went on to play for 13 more years. <laughs> wow. Talk about giving him chances. Uh, you know, defensively, maybe he was good. I don't know. Not with a minus 1.9 <laughs> war. I guess not. And he only played shortstop until his final two years in the big leagues, where he also appeared at third base and first base. He only played shortstop. Let's move on. Oh, I like this. I got a diamond back. So, uh, well, oh, there you I, go. I, I don't want points. I, I'm just my competitive it's, nature. It's hard not to w- root to win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it really is. Uh, here he is left handed pitcher Omar Dahl. Remember with the Dodgers? Yeah, he came up with the Dodgers. 11 years in the big leagues. He was a left hander. Oh, this is good. This will help me in what I'm ultimately trying to do, because in 2000 splitting time between the diamondbacks and the Phillies, he went four and 19 Ouch! leading Ouch. the league, the national league in losses. This coming off of 1999 when he went 16 and nine. Weird. So yeah, he really bottomed out here. Uh, 167 innings, 96 strikeouts and a 77 ERA plus. And this will equate to a war of minus 1.3. <laughs> now, unfortunately, he is on the Diamondback, so I'll get half a point. So it's only going to be a minus 0.8. But that'll that'll bump me back down. So I'm only at 0.2. <laughs> yeah, a little behind. Still got time. This Well, again, this is I want to end this. I'm willing to hand you the championship. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> now, I'm thinking that in uh, in in the new rules for the next uh, the next one is if we get a Ricky Henderson or a Nolan Ryan card, it, it could just be an automatic game over. <laughs> I have just scored a 2000 tops with the New York Metropolitans, Ricky Woo! Henley Lee. Henderson. There you go. I cannot read the back of his card. There are there's so many years. Who's <laughs> the world's smallest type font? <laughs> yes, but that is the best looking card we're gonna pull out of wax packs in a long time. It's a good go. good card. 
let's see. Now, I can tell you right off the bat that Ricky Henderson has never appeared in an episode of Teenage... Has never appeared in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No, you would know of all people. I am just going to put it out there. He has not done that. Uh, 2000, of course, is the year that he split with the Mets and the Mariners when the uh, the infamous uh, John Olerud story uh, <laughs> was made up. But uh, let's see. Overall this year, only hit 233. He was 41 years old at this point. I bet his on base was decent. Uh, on base 368. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. He uh, stole 36 bases this year. Wow. Uh, we know he hit at least one home run because he hit a leadoff home run his first uh, first game with the Mariners. With the Mariners, yes. Hit four total that year. Only a 78 OPS plus for the season. All of this equates to still a positive point seven. There you go. Uh, he is a Hall of Famer, of course. So that'll be a one point seven. Uh, nothing else on this card will uh, will get me anything, but I think this is the first time I have ever pulled Ricky Anderson. You usually tend to get him. Yeah, I don't remember you ever doing that before. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm legitimately excited. I have I pulled a baseball card and I'm excited about it. That doesn't happen <laughs> that often anymore. All right, uh, I, we don't need to go into anything else about Ricky. I think we've done enough. Uh, I am now going to get a special card. 20, 20th century's best. For wins, it is Roger Clemens here with the Yankees. Ah, yes, he had a few wins. Yeah, and he was uh, ultimately replaced by uh, yeah, or replaced uh, Mordecai Three Finger Brown, who we mentioned earlier. That's right in the uh, in the debut segment. So uh, Roger Clemens not in the Hall of Fame. Nope. Yeah. Uh, let's see the Rocket or the Texas Con Man. <laughs> I'm sure he loves that one. Yeah. In uh, 2000, with the Yankees, he went 13 and nine, a 3.7 ERA in 2000, and uh, in 204 innings pitched, he still struck out 188 for a 131 ERA plus, and that equals a WAR of 4.6. Uh, that'll get me a 6.5, is what it'll bring me up to. Now, I believe Rocket has been in a couple of TV shows. I think he was on Saturday Night Live at one point. Uh, obviously used steroids. So as I mentioned, plenty of uh, media appearances by Roger Clemens. Of course, he was in Homer at the bat. He also appeared in Hope and Faith, Spin City, Arliss, Saturday Night Live. He was in a movie called Anger Management, which uh, mm-hmm. looks like it was... Uh, De Niro. Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson and Marissa Tomei and Woody Harrelson and John Turturro (laughs) also makes a brief appearance in Kingpin as a character named Skidmark. Not Uh, my nickname. I just want you to know that. (laughs) Appeared in the 94 movie Cobb as an unidentified pitcher and uh, was part of an armor hot dog campaign with Ken Griffey Jr., Derek Jeter and Sammy Sosa. Hmm. All of this, though, you know, nothing about being uh, on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So my my team is full of some scoundrels. <laughs> so <laughs> you got the all scoundrel right. team. Yeah, except for Ricky. Except for Ricky. Right. Uh, all right. Next, I've got with you Red Sox John Valentin, not John Valentine. Yes, John Valentin. No e. All right, John Valentin. Uh, let's see, 11 years in the big leagues, 10 of it with Boston. In the year 2000, he only appeared in 10 games, so that's probably good for me. A minus 0.1, but he's got eye black on, darn it. 
Andy's got a sweatband with his jersey number on it. <laughs> so I will end up with a positive point one out of that one. Who would have thought John Valentin would hey. get me in the positives? There you go. Turned an unassisted triple play in 94, of course, against the Mariners. Uh, let's see. At one point was the manager of the Chattanooga Lookouts, as well as the uh, coach on the Albuquerque Isotopes. All right, I got two cards left here. Uh, speaking of scoundrels, he'll fit right in with Roger Clemens. I've got Mark McGuire. You get some points here, though. I don't think so, because I'm pretty sure Mark McGuire's last year was 2000 or, or something. Oh, well. I, I believe we pulled him before, and uh, I didn't get much points. Uh, didn't get many points. Well, let's see. 2000, his second to last year. He was an all-star this year. Uh, hit 305 in 89 games, 32 home runs, 73 RBI, still had a 483 on base percentage. Goodness sakes. And a 203 OPS plus. Wow. So maybe I misspoke. Uh, let's see. All that is a war of 4.2. You know, it's a, it's a great year, but it's not, I'm not challenging you at this point. Uh, let's see that'll take me up to 10.8 now Mark McGuire might not have been on Sabrina the Teenage Witch but he was definitely on an episode of uh, Mad About You one of my favorite shows of all time Uh, of course he and Roger Clemens big steroids guys uh, was in an episode also of the Simpsons called Brothers Little Helper didn't Hmm. uh, I don't remember that one and uh, I remember his brother was a quarterback played for the uh, Seahawks and the Dolphins Hmm. remember that all right, so I'm down to my last card. I am at 10.8. You finished with 26. So, I, you know, you need to get a 15-plus a, a war here is, is very unlikely. Pull a hat, uh, Wilson, it, man. It, <laughs> I have got here a Tampa Bay Devil Ray Ooh. at this point, and now manager Davey Martinez. Ah. Yeah, I don't think that's going to get you quite the I don't think so. He's got eye black on, though. Well, you got that going for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Dave Martinez, Tippy is his nickname, 16 years in the big leagues. He played all the way through 2001. In the year 2000, he was with Toronto, only appeared in 47 games, still hit 311, had two home runs, 22 RBI, a 103 OPS plus, and that equals a .8 war. So not quite going to get there. Didn't quite make it. And Mark, I would like to congratulate you on being the first ever back-to-back-to-back champion of the Wax Pack Heroes Memorial League. Yeah, I tell you what, it's all skill. And, uh, you know, I studied and worked very hard to win these random games. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Now, can you uh, do you want to promise a four peat at this point or? No, I think I'm going to rest on my laurels and enjoy the three peat. Um, but I will go out and trademark the name four peat. All right. So that is going to do it for this season of Wax Packs Heroes. We are going yes. to. So just set aside next week. We're going to we're going to spend a little time. Uh, going over some new rules that we've got kicking around here, and uh, wow, I'm gonna have to record a new open for the for the segment. It's work. Uh-oh. Oh no! Now yes. it's all it's all coming back to haunt me. All right, but uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of uh, not just Wax Packs Heroes, but of the show. If you can't get enough of us, we are always available. We are at your beck and call on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at T W O Strike Noise. Twitter, Instagram. 
all the others, YouTube, Twitch, just Google us. You'll find something to do with us. Probably good. Might be bad. I don't know. We're Mostly to, good. We try to cover up that stuff. But uh, you can also get a hold of us via email. And Mark is our email master general. Yes, uh, two strike noise again. Spell it out: t w o strike noise at gmail.com. I appreciate all the uh, messages, uh, Jeff and I. Make sure we look at every one of them and, and uh, do our best to respond. That's going to do it. So uh, we will see you again next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you all. God bless you. Have a great day.